Hello and welcome to the Unnamed Automotive Podcast. My name is Sammy Hajj Assad, and with me, as always, is my good friend and fellow automotive journalist, Benjamin Hunting. Say hi to the people, Ben. Greetings, human listeners. Greetings to everyone. If this is the first time you're listening to our podcast, thank you for trying something new. Um, we do thank all of our new listeners at the beginning of every new episode. So if you're new, this is new to you. But if you're old, this is old to you. So it's this whole thing we do, I guess. We cherish uh, all of our listeners. Old, new, young, old, everything. Just, yeah. And in between. Um, thank you for trying something new. And greetings to all of our uh, old school listeners or longtime listeners or even short-term listeners. I don't really know what to call them. I'll reiterate, Ben and I are a pair of automotive journalists. We've driven a bunch of cars, and we want to tell you all about it. But before we do, I'm going to let Ben tell us where we can find his latest work. Ben, can you do that? You can find my work at Motor Trend, at Car and Driver, at Haggerty, and at Inside Hook. That's a lot of places, man. It, I said it, recent work. I mean, it's all within the last week or so. <laughs> all within the last three hours, I think. You can find my work at autotrader.ca, driving.ca, Nouveau Magazine. Um, I have a new byline at CAA Magazine. Well, now who has too many places yeah, that they're working how, at? How do you like it? So you can find our work in, in most corners of the internet, right? We've established that. So why don't we just move on, start talking about the cars that we've driven recently. Ben, you have the floor. Are you prepared to uh, to use it wisely? I am because I'm coming here this week with a vehicle that I kind of maybe talked some smack about over the last year, and that's the Ford Maverick, Sammy. Hold on. Let me just go get my plate of crow. Are you going to eat it? I am surprised by how much I liked the Maverick. Uh, I was unprepared. Given that the Santa Cruz, which I drove last year, was my favorite vehicle of all last year, and it was also a unibody pickup, but it was a unibody pickup that had a great big turbo engine with uh, decent power, 311 pound-feet of torque, it had some great styling, and an upscale interior, at least the model I drove, and and to me, that was kind of everything I wanted in this class of pickup, this like compact unibody crossover-based truck. Ford mm-hmm. came out with the Maverick from a different angle. It was, the idea was, I mean, you drove it last year, I believe. Yeah. And you had it over the Christmas break. And Ford was like, look, we can make this really cheap truck and we'll make a a nicer version of it. But at its core, this is a truck that's going to do trucky stuff with a basic interior and we'll make a hybrid version that gets ridiculous fuel mileage and it'll be front wheel drive. You can add all wheel drive if you want to get the turbo and the the EcoBoost version, which is more expensive, but not too much more expensive. I mean, it, altogether, it was it was a much more approachable package than the Santa Cruz, which seemed aimed specifically at people who were looking for a luxury truck. So I, I didn't know how into that I was. I didn't really. I was concerned because other Ford low rent Ford products that we've driven, like the Echo Sport. <laughs> Really left. No, why you gotta bring up the Echo? Because it left like such a bad taste in my mouth. Because that was a vehicle that had been developed for another market. It was brought over to North America. This is a subcompact crossover, and it, it, the inside was heinous. It was just really, really cheap. And then when we got the Ranger, another vehicle that had been designed for another market, brought to North America. The interior wasn't terrible, but it wasn't competitive, mm-hmm. and certainly not at the price point it was being sold at. So, I had seen photos of the Maverick inside and it looked kind of kind of sad and i was worried that it was just going to be the third entry in this saga of like interiors i couldn't tolerate right so i i also want to reiterate despite 
me saying that it was a pretty good it was a pretty good truck on the podcast. Uh, our friend Chad saying so. I think our friend Stephen Elmer saying so. You're like, oh, I wasn't feeling it. I don't. I didn't know what to expect. So I, I love that. You, and I love that you're like now, like, oh, I understand now. Well, I, it's true. I I was really close minded about this vehicle, not in the sense that I was cheering for it to fail, no, but no. just that I didn't really. Get I mean, it. Ford has a bad track record for inexpensive vehicles. I think that that's mm-hmm. outside of their cars. I mean, the Focus and the Fiesta were pretty good, but it seemed like once those left the lineup, they were just like, eh, whatever. <laughs> uh, and the other funny thing to discuss, I think, is for right now, the Santa Cruz and the Maverick are like linked forever, it seems. <laughs> Whenever one is brought up, the other one has to also be discussed. It's yes. like the C class and it is like the C class and three series now. Or like the Bronco and the Wrangler. It's and like... the for the the uh, Corolla and Civic. Like these now we have this like this dichotomy of options. Where whereas like, before we had no options whatsoever. <laughs> this right? blood link like of things that need to be mentioned. Well, I'm glad you're bringing bodily fluids into it. I, mean, <laughs> I didn't know how to describe it. It seems but, unnecessary. Yeah. Cool uh, link. But there's, there's a bunch of stuff that I want to talk about with the Maverick. First is I like how they've structured their pricing. You can get an XL for just over twenty one, just over twenty thousand, uh, including destination. Like the MSRP is like nineteen nine ninety five, and you can get a Lariat for twenty five grand. Um, both of those have the hybrid engine, but you can add EcoBoost to any trim level, and it's not that much more expensive. Like it's a thousand bucks more. So you go from I think the hybrid's something like 181 horsepower, and the EcoBoost is around 250. Uh, these are just numbers I'm pulling out of the top of my head, but it's it's in huh. that neighborhood. Yeah, it is 250. Okay. So you have a pretty good choice there. If you want all-wheel drive, though, things aren't as great. You have to get the turbo, and then all-wheel drive is another two grand on top of that. So it's like three grand more mm-hmm. to go all-wheel drive. I wish they made a hybrid version with all-wheel drive like they do with the Escape, which is the same platform. This thing is a Ford C2 platform, uh, and it's the same drivetrain. So there's not really any excuse except for, you know, production restrictions. I'm sure they don't have enough line space to build this version of the Maverick. Plus, they can charge a lot more money. I mean, on paper, it's only like six grand more. Um, I'm sorry. Uh, on paper, for like a base model, it's only $1,000 more. But I'm sure people who are getting the turbo are maybe going up to an XLT or a Lariat. So they're going to make some profit from that especially since i don't think you can buy a hybrid model right now until the middle of the summer that's when they're going to re-up on production so Mm -hmm. it's a little bit of a manipulative um lineup but from a pricing perspective if we were in a world where you know there was no chip shortage it would probably it it feels a lot more equitable i drove the lariat and the Lariat that I drove had the EcoBoost engine. It had all-wheel drive. It had, like, the 4K towing package. It had the FX4 off-road package. It was pretty much a full-load vehicle. I think it was still under $30,000. Wow. <laughs> Which seems pretty crazy. Right. I uh, had the XLT, and I was I was still impressed. I know you said when you first saw the, the pictures of the interior, this is the first thing I want to bring up. I'm sorry if you have other things you want to talk about with your impressions. But talk to me about what you thought about the, the cabin. So the the cabin of the Lariat is leather. It's there's leather on the and and I say that because um I think I expect I mean when you come into a truck that's at this price range this is the the Maverick kind of tops out right around where things like the Tacoma start. Mm-hmm. And if you're looking at like a base Tacoma I think it's like $27,000. You're not you're, you're, not only are you getting cloth seats, they're not good cloth. Seats, no, no, it's right? very bare bones. <laughs> 
So you get into the Lariat and, you know, it has reasonably nice leather seats. But what struck me was Ford did a good job of putting detail and color into the cabin. There's like different types of trim. Um, You touch some plastic feels different than other plastic. The only thing that's weird is um, the door panels. They have like these weird half handles. Yes. And it's every time I grab to close the door, I'm grabbing in the wrong place. And Ford did this because they want you to want you to be able to put a water bottle there or some other gear there. They have like 3D printed accessories you can install all this oh, stuff. Yeah. But it's did unusual. Did you 3D print anything for your car? I didn't. I didn't have time. It's actually oh. still printing right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's gone back. You've returned the the, the Maverick. And I'm just going to mail it to Ford to be like, here's yeah. what I created for you. Uh, the rest of the interior, though, it is. It is um, bargain style. Like you get bargain, <laughs> bargain style. I you get it. regular switch gear. You get dials. You get what you would That's expect. Fine. What's yeah. wrong with that? I'm not Why do you have to call that bargain? You're you're cutting me off by yeah, I haven't said true. anything wrong about it. Um, I think it's fine for a truck like this. And the infotainment system is actually pretty good. And the gauge cluster, I had a digital gauge cluster. That was pretty good too. So it was a nice marriage of like things that didn't have to be expensive and things that felt a little more expensive than they needed to be. If it was my money, I think I would avoid the, mine had the Lariat trim, but also had the Lariat luxury package, which is like the only way you can get a heated, heated seats and a heated steering wheel and all that. Mm -hmm. I would probably get the XLT and then just get heated cloth seats uh, I don't need uh, adaptive cruise is nice. You can get that, I believe, with another package for the XLT. But I don't Just need the Ford it. Ford 360 or something. Package. Yeah, yeah, I don't need it. I don't need the high end audio system, which sounded decent. It's a small cab though, so you don't really need big audio in it. Mm. Um, the, the nice to haves are nice, but I don't think that if you're looking to buy an inexpensive truck, I think you would feel completely at home saving that money and getting something that's like. Maybe twenty three thousand dollars instead of something that's nearly thirty. Right. Um, now the other question I had: there's there's a lot of space in this cabin, right? Like there's a lot of cubbies and and pockets and places to put stuff. Did you make good use of that? I don't know if I'd say there's a lot of space. I mean, there is definitely some space. Uh, you could put water bottles in the doors. Yeah, but how many water bottles do you have at any given time? Do you really want to know? No, I, I'm okay. I'm, I'm okay not knowing. Okay. Um, what about the, the the bed then? Did you make good use of the bed? I did. I uh, I hauled some junk to the junk place. <laughs> yeah. And got rid of it. Uh, the bed the has... junk place is trademarked. I'm not sure we could mention it on the podcast without paying. Some yeah, royalty. I'm sorry. I'm always doing that, getting us in trouble with the junk people. Okay. I I also want to apologize. I said <laughs> I said that a fully loaded Maverick was under thirty. It's actually if you load up on a bunch of stuff, it's thirty five, which is a decent amount you? of money. So that's ten thousand dollars from the base lariat. If you want okay. to add the luxury stuff. So again, stick around the twenty-three dollars to $25,000 mark. I think that's the sweet spot for the truck. And I think I haven't driven the hybrid, Sammy, but I think I would get the hybrid because 40 miles mm-hmm. per gallon on the highway is really crazy. For it's so hard truck. to beat. I mean, especially if you're like you want good fuel economy when you're not towing or hauling anything. And this will deliver it. Like better than you can imagine, I guess. Yeah. So like the the um, EcoBoost engine, the fuel mileage is better than anything on the market in a pickup truck. Yeah. As far as I know, I think it's something like twenty nine miles per gallon in the, the 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 only trucks that are beating it are the diesels. So right. you have to spend a lot more money to get a diesel in a midsize and a lot more money to get a diesel in a full size. And this is giving you twenty nine miles per gallon on the highway, and I think like twenty two or twenty three around town. I mean, that's really decent for a pickup. Um, it's it's nowhere near the hybrid, which is like way above that. But 
the, the power in the Maverick is good too, in the EcoBoost that I drove. It's about a second slower to 60 compared to the Santa Cruz, but on a quarter mile, they're apparently the same, <laughs> which is, I guess, maybe a gearing thing. Yeah, uh, I'm not sure. I know that the uh, the Santa Cruz has that DCT, so maybe there's a whole bunch of overdrive gears that it goes into very quickly. Um, this is just a regular eight-speed automatic, as far as I know, in the EcoBoost. Okay. Um, I found the engine to be noisy, and yeah. even at idle, like it made weird sounds. It was not a, a smooth-sounding engine. It drove in a reasonably smooth way from yeah. a power delivery perspective. Um, but... It's not – I wouldn't call it a performance truck. I mean, how did it feel for you? Um, I think that's a that's – a, I agree with you. It felt loud in the way that a lot of cheap cars kind of feel loud. Like if you've ever been in a venue or the Kicks or even like uh, like a – I don't know. Like – yeah, I think those two in particular. Like it feels loud. Like there's no sound deadening essentially. So I always felt like you could hear the motor uh, and the transmission doing a little bit more than you do in other cars. Now, in terms of performance, I found I found that I had pretty good pickup. Like it, it got going pretty pretty easily, but it wasn't particularly fast. Um, and if you really did want to get going quickly, you'd again be saddled with the the buzziness of that engine. Yeah, and it's again all of this stuff. We're, we're kind of skirting around the details of the truck, right? Like at its core, it's useful. It's affordable. Mm-hmm. And it's inexpensive. And once you stray from that, once you start adding things like luxury packages, you're going to be more um, no, – you'll notice more of the rough edges of the truck and they're going to bother you more. So if I'm spending like $35,000, I think I would just buy a Santa Cruz. And the limited I think for the Santa Cruz is like thirty nine, uh, and that's a full load truck. And it's way, way, way nicer than okay. the Maverick. It just in terms of comfort, styling, and and performance. But in terms of saving cash, you're not only saving money with a hybrid um, outright, but you're also going to be using less fuel. Exactly. And you're still going to be able to take advantage of everything that the Maverick has to offer. And I think that this is a truck that you really need to approach from a value perspective. And once, yeah. once you leave that behind, it's not going to fare so well. Um, and I think that, you know, a $25,000 Lariat, I would probably take that over a $27,000 base Tacoma, which is a grim vehicle to drive. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's like the kind of truck not even the forestry service would buy because it's just too basic. <laughs> <laughs> um, it is interesting though. I thought this would be a very popular vehicle. Um, I thought that, you know, car enthusiasts or, or truck enthusiasts on a budget will really want this thing, but I haven't seen any on the road yet. I actually, you know what? Two days ago, there was one parked right in front of my house. All right. Well, the one you were testing. No. Okay. No, I knew a completely different, just a stranger. I don't know if it knew that I had one, had one the yeah, week before. They, they love it. Yeah. It was uncomfortable. <laughs> they, they like congregate. They fall, they find each other. So I was curious because I'm seeing other vehicles uh, that have a lot of hype uh, associated with them or, 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 yeah, a lot of hype associated with them. Um, I'm seeing them on the road. I'm seeing Broncos. I'm seeing Ionics. I'm seeing um, what else is, has been hot lately that people are are, are liking. Well, the uh, Gladiator even, was a very hot vehicle. Oh, yeah. Like the Gladiator was – I think owners were driving them the same time the, the press fleets got them. So there's a lot of vehicles out there that they seem like – the customer gets them pretty early on. I'm not seeing that with the with the Maverick as much, but maybe it's too early to tell. 
and there have I mean the whole world is going through some stuff right now so who knows if everyone's getting the trucks they want uh, the the other the other you know I was thinking about what you mentioned about all the storage spot inside the Maverick. There was one that I used, and that's the weird storage spot that's beside the screen. Oh, the useless one. Now yeah. Well, I put cassette tapes in there, and it fit completely. It was like it was designed specifically for audio cassettes. So I don't know if like a time traveling designer put together that center stack, but um, I'm 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 feeling it. Uh, now I I've found that I think if you go to the uh, Ford Maverick subreddit. Where there are owners of the vehicle, they put little like, like figures in there, like figurines in there, kind of like I don't know if they're like those Funko Pops with the big, big heads, but they put people in there like inspirations to stare at every all day, which is which is cute in a way. It kind of reminds me of remember when Volkswagen came out with the new Beetle and it had the uh, fake flowers in the mm-hmm. little flower thing on the dash. That's kind of a similar mentality, and and given that they're both, put, I think the Maverick has the potential to be a cult vehicle in the same way. Okay. As the uh, new Beetle, so there's maybe a little bit of DNA shared there culturally. Although I think the Maverick's really going to split into two groups. There's going to be the people who buy it because it's cheap and useful, which is I think what I would do. Um, and then there's going to be the people who buy it because they really like the idea of a small truck, uh, and they're going to they're going to trick it out. They're going to do various mods to it. Um, the Maverick hacks. And our web our upcoming website maverickfails.com or whatever. It was. <laughs> 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 Where... uh, so yeah, I I'm going to I'm going to maybe surprise you by saying that I've started actively pricing these vehicles. Yeah. Because we plan to move out of the city and I mean we've been planning to do it for years we just can't find a property we like. But my partner she's going to have to come in and out of the city. It's going to be maybe a 75 mile trip each way. And she likes trucks, but it's really hard to justify a commuter truck because, I mean, fuel costs are insane. So uh, a hybrid fuel truck – sorry, a hybrid truck, on the other hand, has very different operating costs. And she liked the Maverick a lot. And I could see picking up like an XLT hybrid and just going with that. I don't even know if we would need all-wheel drive where we are. I mean, I would like it because I don't like the idea of her being stuck on a very snowy highway, which is a reality up here in Quebec. Yeah, but uh, I think we will see those in the future. I think Ford will eventually gift us with that model, um, and I would stick with a mid or low buck truck. Just get like a cheap lease and uh, see where the Maverick is three years from now. Now you are also going to get your three D printer warmed up, all the filament for it, so that you can make all the Maverick hacks. Yeah, trip, of course, right? of course. I'm going to make the Maverick fish tank. I'm going yeah. to make the Maverick hammock for the back seat. Yep. Uh, I'm going to make the Maverick bonnet for the hood. Mm-hmm. Um, I also, while we're talking about back seats, I was a little. There's enough room back there to sit if you're an adult, and you don't have to sit there too long. But I kind of wish the seating storage underneath was a little different. Like if you pop up the seat, there's two bins where you can store stuff. They're not very deep. No, they're not very deep. And the other thing is with that seat there. It's in the way. Like the seat bottom folds up. You can't – there's not a lot of horizontal room. You know what I'm saying? Like if right. you're going to lean the, in. The seat, bottom, the seat bottom impacts your loading capabilities of those bins. Yes, it does. And and it impacts your ability to put a longer item in the back yes. of the truck. I would – I kept trying to figure out if I could fold down the seat back and have like a flat surface to put something long on. But I Apparently wasn't, you can. I couldn't figure it out. It looked like there was a latch. I just couldn't get to it. Yes. Um – and it's a bench. It's one piece, which yes. makes it uh, uncomfortable when you have to tell someone to get out, get out so you can get your groceries or whatever. Oh, I mean, I don't think you'd be putting groceries under there. I don't even know you if won't. it's deep enough to do that. 
So that's one of the weirdest parts about this truck, because it seems so useful all the time until you want to use it for, like, an everyday thing, like putting groceries in it. But that's how trucks are, right? Like, crew cab trucks, they're great for hauling people, and if you have, like, a huge full-size truck, the crew cab is enormous in the back. So you can put a ton of groceries, it's not a big deal. But the smaller trucks, the legroom is restricted. So if you want to put groceries on the floor, which is what I would normally do... You can't because there's, it's hard to squeeze those bags down in there. And then you pop the seat up and it's not flat. You have these tubs that are not great for groceries, good for other things instead. And you have the floor. So I guess you can kind of like, I don't know, come to a compromise there. Otherwise, it's going to be sitting on the seat and you have to hope no one's there. What about the like Ram box and the uh, whatever the Titan version of that is? Well, there is a box in the bed of the uh, Maverick. It's like a weird compartment at the very rear on the right. You, you can get a 110 out, outlet. Oh, yeah. 110 volt outlet. But there's yeah. also like a, a storage compartment that's there. Yes. That you can use. It's, it's not very useful. <laughs> no, I think you could fit like a, a bottle jack, something like that sized. Yep. But um, yeah. Bottle jacks. I haven't heard that in a long time. I actually bought a bottle jack because I wanted to use it with my Datsun. And when it arrived in the mail, it was way too tall to fit underneath my Datsun. <laughs> isn't, that the, isn't that one of the main reasons you would get a bottle jack? Yeah, well, no. Yes and no. So bottle jacks are nice because they don't take up a lot of space, right? Like, they're right. not... Like, I have floor jacks. But you jacks. can't fit them under a bunch of cars. No, I have floor jacks that... I thought um, they're useful for trucks. I mean, if you let me finish. I yes, I know. To you. I will. But I wanted a jack I could bring with me in case I had a flat tire, and I didn't have a scissor jack at the time. A scissor jack would probably work if it was low enough profile. But yeah, you can use a bottle jack for a truck because it's it's technically taller in a lot of ways. Anyway, I might use it for I the love Jeep. That. Technically taller in a lot of ways. <laughs> well, it doesn't have to be. I mean, you can get tall scissor jacks too. That's true. Um, let's talk about the car I was driving because uh, I have the opposite reaction to you i was very much looking forward to driving the 2022 hyundai ionic 5 why were you so excited well because i've been hearing from so many people that this is like the ev perfected like the current ev situation but perfected so 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 basically chad came on said a bunch of good things about the ionic and you believed him chad yeah, came because on said why a good bunch I? Of, chad came on said a bunch of good things about the maverick and i was still iffy yeah Exactly. Well, he was right when he was right to me when I drove when I drove the Maverick. I was like, ah, oh, yeah, he was onto something. And uh, so I was looking forward to this because I think at the time when he came on the podcast, which wasn't so long ago, he said the Ionic is one of the best um, new EVs you can you can get into. And right now, you're going to be hearing a lot of uh, hubbub about both the Ionic Five and the Kia related item, which is called the EV Six. And these are two built from the ground up EVs. They use the same, pretty, pretty much the same components, actually, um, with different designs inside and out. So what you're looking at here is a all. I'm driving the all-wheel drive version of this vehicle. I believe it has a 77 kilowatt hour battery, and um, with the all-wheel drive, it gets just over 250 miles of range. But if you get the extended range or the long range rear wheel drive model, you'll get uh, 300 miles of range, which is like this magic number that a lot of the so automakers said, are aiming for. So it's between 250 and 300. Yes. Okay. And I'm getting. The, I'm, I I feel like I'm I'm achieving that uh, range. It is uh, currently difficult to get a really good grasp on EV range right now because the temperatures are kind of cold. We're riding on winter tires, so those two things kind of uh, impact the the long range ability of these vehicles but i need i need to get into the i need to get into the, the meat of this vehicle i i approached it thinking this is going to be the best ev 
for the value that is is on the market. And I think I was disappointed by hyping myself up that much. What do you mean by value? I think uh, the size, the price, the performance all made for that really good sort of like Venn diagram. You know what I mean? It it, it seemed like it had the right amount of performance, the right amount of range, a decent price because this thing starts at um, – I had this. I don't know why I lose you know, important information. Have you so been quickly. losing time too? Have yes. you been opening your eyes and discovering yourself somewhere you don't remember getting to? It starts at well, I don't know what you're talking about, but yes, it starts at around forty three thousand, um, and gets all the way to I think a fully loaded model is fifty five. So I could buy two Mavericks. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Is Definitely that sounds like now? value to me. Is that what we're doing now in terms of val in terms of values? Well, we're doing it today. Um, and. I mean, there's there's also like incentive programs to help you lower the cost of of EVs, which is pretty cool. And I I really like the styling of it. It's got this kind of um, I don't know how else to say it deadpan styling in a way. Like it it is flat is... in in a way. It's flat and comical in a I, way. I, I thought I you were going to say it, was, it. It tells like really low key jokes. <laughs> I think it's, I mean, if it was going to tell me a joke, it would be a low key like stone faced joke. It it is a very it's like an adorable looking car that makes me smile. I think it's got great design. Um, and the cabin as well is very spacious. Um, but this is my problem here. I'm getting into all of these things and I'm trying to say that it doesn't do one thing or stand out in one particular area that uh, makes me go, oh, wow, this is it for, for EVs. That might change um, with the availability of higher speed char- charging infrastructure, which is one of the things that the... Uh, Ionic 5 supports. I think it can get up to 350 kilo or 300 kilowatt charge rates, which are exceptionally quick. Um, although they're not very prevalent here, we only have a couple of stations that support that rate. So, uh, I, I'm. I mean, I got into it. I put my foot down, and it took off. It felt particularly quick. Um, it was quiet. It was smooth. There's a lot of wind noise, obviously, because you don't have any other noise happening in the cabin. Um, the materials are are okay. Um, I would call them on on the higher end of average, and the infotainment system is extremely uh, familiar if you've been in any new uh, Hyundai product uh, recently, like the Palisade or the Elantra. Or so, you're saying, so you're saying there's nothing about it that really blows you away, like from any perspective? I think that's exactly what I'm saying. And again, I think if I had more access to EV, like dc fast charging at that 300 kilowatt rate i'd probably be more impressed but right now i'm just not i'm just not feeling it which is weird because i felt i felt a little bit more impressed with the mustang Mach-E. maybe you know it got more looks it 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 had a little bit more accessible performance like it it just seemed more eager to go fast plus you're a mustang guy i mean you you always have been yes and it has a front trunk and i don't think you get that in the in the ionic um but at the same time, like the more time I spend with the the Ionic, the more I warm up to it, the more I like it. So it's this really interesting. It's an appliance. Like it really feels like an appliance. It doesn't look like an appliance, and inside and out doesn't really look like an appliance. It looks like it's trying to be something special. But the more you drive it, the more you're like, oh, it's just like a regular car. So how many EVs have you driven that you would say don't feel like appliances? Okay, I would say like three. All right, <laughs> or four. Right? And what are they? I would say the Taycan. Okay. So like and, the $200,000 one. Yeah, obviously. All right. Uh, and the um, 
the I uh, and the Audi e-trons are okay. uh, are among them. Okay. Which I think are the same. They're sent to the same, you know, product. Um, I think the Model S. I've driven a Model S again, another very expensive model, and uh, does not exactly feel like a, an appliance. And I actually felt a little bit more enthused by the the Mustang GT. Uh, the, sorry, the Mustang Mach E GT. Um, very quick, impressive, tight feeling vehicle. So maybe ten percent of the EVs you've driven didn't feel like appliances. Yeah. Okay, so that's probably a pretty reasonable approximation you think of that's what. That's a good ratio. Well, I mean, it seems similar to what you'd find in a in a gas powered vehicle. Yeah, I think that's fair. That's a good way of putting it. That's a good perspective. Um, but I will say, like, look, there are a lot of good. There are actually a lot of good EVs out there that are not built from the ground up to be EVs. Like we've we've I I think I've always said this. I think the Kia Soul EV, which I don't think is very is available in the U.S., is very good. Um, I think the Kona EV is actually pretty good too, but those ones don't support the same fast charging infrastructure that these, um, new EVs have. Yeah. And they never will, right? It's not like they're going to reverse engineer that into that platform. The, the future for OEMs, I think are these dedicated EV platforms that have the fast charging that have the battery placement in this. And like modular battery. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So it it is so interesting to, for me to think at, because I think even some of these cars have a similar, driving range in some ways they, they may not be as fast or as punchy as these new these newer ones but they can probably travel the same amount of uh, the same distance at well, times. much smaller and lighter too right like that's yeah. another thing so right now we're, we're at this space where i don't know if we're going to see massive um jumps in range but we will see um significant jumps in in terms of the charging infrastructure um and again as long as the public chargers start getting that kind of upgrade as well and this is important to bring up because I think a lot of automakers are boasting about their next generation EVs. You and I have had an off an offline conversation that I'm now bringing online onto the podcast. Uh-oh. Um, about GM's promises with the new Blazer EV, which is going to be another Altium-based um, platform. The same, you know, underpinnings, I guess, or, or same basis in the, in the Hummer EV, the Silverado EV, the Cadillac Lyric, this thing, the Blazer. It's a bunch of cars, man, like <laughs> that are all going to be based on the same thing. Now, I think we're all wondering when is GM going to start delivering all of these products and we'll get there. One of the things I find interesting about that Blazer EV that's coming out is they're making a high performance Blazer SS and it's going to be EV only. And it's interesting to me because we've talked over and over about high performance SUVs and how they're really kind of only good for one thing and that's straight line speed. Yep. And that's kind and of that's what EVs are. Good yeah, for EVs now. are yeah. good for straight line speed, right? And if it's an SUV, they can put a bigger battery so that it's not necessarily as much of an issue to go fast in a straight line in in, in terms of impact on range. Yeah. So I, I don't know, like is SS just is it going to be like a muscle truck? Is that kind of what we're looking at here? I guess so. I mean, I'm not I'm not making it. I'm not designing it, but I think it's probably the easiest thing for them to do, right? Yeah. Um, and to make it a, a speedy little truck or a big truck. But what I mean to say is GM is inve- has been talking about Altium for a, for a couple of years now, I think. It feels like... Well, you got to get the stock prices up. Two years, I suppose. And I think when we first heard that the Lyric is coming, I think all of us collectively groaned when they said it's coming in 2023. Which it seems like it's too long. I think it's in 2023. And now it's only next year. Isn't it funny how time is like a flat circle and eventually you get where you're going? 
Isn't um, it funny how sometimes you close your eyes, Sammy? Oh, sorry. In 2022 as a 2023. You wake up somewhere else and you don't remember how you got there? That doesn't happen to me anymore. Okay. So, uh, sorry. It is supposed to come in 2022. Um, I think they announced that back in 2020 and we were like, why is it taking so long? And then a whole bunch of other stuff happened and I just stopped thinking about the Cadillac Lyric. (laughs) I don't know what I could have been thinking about. Uh, But what I mean to say is. They all boast this 300-mile range. Everything seems to say this 300 is the benchmark. Yeah, it, it, like the giant 9,000-pound Hummer EV, 300-mile range. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and the, the Lyric, also 300, 300 miles of range. And the, the rear-wheel drive, Ionic, also 300 miles of range. So, I mean, they're all, like, pegging this number, right? So I don't know if we're getting much better at – I don't know if we're going to see higher ranges than that. I think the only one that has significantly boasted above that is another very expensive EV, the uh, Lucid Air. Well, we start to see higher ranges when the mass that has to be accelerated starts to drop, and that's not going to happen with current battery technology. Okay. I, uh, in my opinion. The, the, there was also a, some news about a new Volkswagen bus. Uh, they're calling the ID Buzz. Yeah, another vehicle that North America is not getting for a few years, I think. Yeah. I think it's two years before we're going to see that on this side of the Atlantic. Great. No one knows how to how to be a buzzkill than North America, I guess. Yeah, they're like, yeah, well, it's really cool, but you can't drive it until everyone else has driven it. Everyone else gets a turn. Yeah, figure out the crash safety standards, make it fit our crash safety standards, and uh, then get back to us. Bye. But, you know, it's, um, it's like Volkswagen, I was reading that, you know, they, they didn't turn a profit between, like, 2012 and 2020 in North America. Like you just that's because they were building out their, their EV infrastructure. So I can understand why they avoid making North America the first stop yeah. <laughs> for, like, whatever's coming down the pipe. Because, yeah, yeah. I mean, what's worse than gearing your factories up for massive indifference? <laughs> <laughs> But uh, to get back to the the Ionic, I really like the the idea of it. But I always wonder, like now now that I've spent time in some of these new generation EVs, like the Maki, like the Ionic, um, I keep wondering, is this it? Like, is this it for me? Is this what we is need this to the get future you? forever, <laughs> over and yes. over? I keep wondering, right? Like this mid price um, electric vehicle with three hundred miles. With a power lift gate and quick charging capability, is this what we're going to get? This is what we're all going to be used to now. In some ways, it reminds me of the crossover surge that happened where all of a sudden every new vehicle, and it still is, but still going on. But every new vehicle was a crossover and SUV, and they were almost all identical. Like there was very little to differentiate them from each other, especially now that they've all kind of homogenized at certain price points. Yeah, um, and it's for entire- thirty grand. You can get an all-wheel drive, four-cylinder um, uh, crossover with a lift, with a with a tra- lifting lift gate. What do you call it? Tailgate. I don't know. You're really into these t- these lift gates, but lift gate. Sure, um, but it's with EVs. We could entirely be in the same situation where the technology is homogenized to the point where it's going to be a price. Uh, a price tag and a form factor, and that's pretty much it. It's like, how big do you want it, and how how many frills do you want? But in terms of how it drives and how it feels on the road, it's not going to be all that different. But why am I being worried? Why do I feel worried that we're going to miss the cheaper segment? Because now we've got these, like, you, like we talked about, we talked about these really high-performance, fun luxury models. Uh, we have these mid-range ones. And then there's like these affordable ones like the Leaf and like maybe that Mazda MX-30. No, the MX-30 like, doesn't even deserve to be dis- I mean, 100 miles of range, right? Something like that? Yeah, and same oh, with the you. Mini um, 
Cooper SC, I think, as well, has like this sub, this 100 mile ish range. And why do they have that so... range? But it's because they're tiny vehicles. And as we mentioned, it's all about battery size. Yeah. So. And, and it just sucks. Like, I think that's tough. Like, I mean, somehow really the Leaf does it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because it's. Yeah, you're right. Efficiency, I guess. But so again, of those, of those two vehicles, I think only the Leaf was designed to be an EV. Right. Right. I'm just curious when we're going to start seeing a little bit more uh, options, you know, and differentiation there. There's no money to be made. I think that's the bottom line for small uh, electric vehicles. I yep. really don't know how much money Kia is making on the EV6 and how much no. he's making on the Ionic 5. I think a lot of these are loss leaders. I know I I'm, I think the Prius was a loss leader for a long time. Mm-hmm. And these are vehicles that get got people in the showroom to buy things that were more expensive. So I don't see a car company taking a loss in a segment like Compact where they barely make any money anyway. Yep. And they only make money if they do huge volume. Two things that are not going to happen with an EV. Absolutely. I think that's fair. Um, 100% I think that's that's fair. Which is why I appreciate what GM is trying to do in making a product for each one of its brands. Um, an EV product for each one of its brands. But granted, I think that you know, a couple of them being nearly a hundred grand in terms of the uh the Hummer puts them out of that out of reach. Like Oh for sure. Unobtainium. For sure. But again, it's like two to three percent of the overall auto market. So Right. It doesn't matter. I'm eager to see if more of these vehicles now the platform name is called the eGIMP for Ionic or EGMP for Ionic and, and Kia EV six, as well as the upcoming Genesis G V sixty. As far as I know, those are the only three products that are coming on this platform. So I need to hear more of them because last week we heard or the other week we heard Stellantis announcing they're going to bring, I don't know, 45 new EVs or maybe 45 to 75 in the next 18 months. (laughs) Yeah, I think that was the uh, projection and the stock price shoots through the ceiling (laughs) and Mr. Stellantis sells all of his shares. Yes. Uh, I think it was 14, which I think is still a a, bo- a a big improvement over what they currently have and what other automakers are. are yeah, what do they at. currently have? Zero. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, zero. They have two plugins, but no EVs. Uh, they're getting more plugins. Come on now. I like plugins. I wish there were more plugins. There are plugins I like more than others, though. Like I don't need a Wrangler plugin that gets horrible fuel mileage after 22 <laughs> and, uh, miles. <laughs> and, yeah, it gets awful. Uh, like zero electric range, right? They, we need to get more electric range in in these plugins too, don't we? Yes and no. I mean, it feels like we've petered out again at this 25-ish. It's because of weight, though. The batteries are so heavy that once you start adding a, adding a bigger battery, you really impact it overall efficiency. So it's it's a balancing it's a balancing act. But I Would mean, you why not a bigger gas motor or more electric or more electric range, right? What? Why would I want a bigger gas motor? Because some of these these vehicles have like a two liter, I think, or yeah, two liter turbo, right? Okay. Um, and then in the the what's the name of the Toyota one? The Prime. Yes. Rav Four Prime has a two point five. These ones have um, bigger gas motors, and I think that you know that. They're, they're heavier, they're less efficient than, let's say, what did the Volt used to have? Didn't it have a 1.5 or something like that? I don't remember. I don't remember. Maybe I'm wrong as heck. I don't know where you're going with this. <laughs> I just would prefer, I would prefer more more electric components than gas components, is what I'm okay. saying. I'm going to double check these these numbers because I, I've but, definitely messed them up. 
but I think that, you know, we were just talking about the Maverick and how good the Maverick hybrid is from a practicality standpoint, how finally you have a pickup truck that you could justify driving regularly because the fuel mileage is good. I mean, I like as much as I like the Santa Cruz, the fuel mileage is not great. It's fine, but it's not great. Mm-hmm. So why not just have more more hybrid everything's? That that's another thing that we're not seeing. I mean, we're seeing more of it, but there's still no hybrid Dodge Charger. You know what I mean? There's still no hybrid Dodge Durango. Uh, why not? Why isn't there a hybrid Ram? Why are we jumping right to the EVs? We we got a a mild hybrid 48 volt uh, system for the RAM. It didn't really do much, but there's no reason why we're skipping that developmental step. And I know that a lot of companies, like t- the reason Toyota is kind of behind on EVs is because they weren't into I- they weren't into electric vehicles as the endpoint. They didn't think batteries were a great storage uh, medium for energy. They wanted to go to hydrogen, which is never going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they kind of just hedged their bets by developing hybrids. Honda didn't have any hybrids for a long time. Um, outside. Oh, that's, that's actually not true. Honda didn't have any mass market EVs for a long time because they're kind of in a similar, similar bet. Yeah. Um, so it, the corporate perspectives that you see often guide product decisions that have lasting ripple effects for decades afterwards. Yeah. Now, I mean, I, Toyota makes a huge investment in the Prius, sticks with hybrids, doesn't really do anything with EVs, and that's 25 years of development right there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and look, I mean, that's that's worked for them, but right now they seem kind of behind the curve in some in some. Yeah, exactly. Ways, right? Exactly. And then you have, you know, GM, they did an EV in the 90s, and then they just kind of walked away for a very long time. Yeah, but that seems like GM about a lot of tech, a lot of the things they do. Sorry. It's <laughs> like... Super Cruise is taking its real sweet time to get to to, to places. They had more plug-in hybrids uh, that people didn't know about, like the Cadillac CT6. They had the Volt, the ELR, all sorts of weird things that nobody like bought or cared. like. It seemed like they were hiding them from customers. Um, just weird stuff there, right? In any case, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm reminded. Case. I'm reminded of that quote from Yoda, who said, uh, "The future is difficult to see because it's always in motion." Um, especially Sammy, when you close your eyes and it gets dark, and then you open them again, and you're somewhere else, and that motion you didn't even witness it, but you, but you've changed. Something about you has changed forever. All right, um, I think that's our cue to close up this week's episode because Ben is, has been talking about trans, uh, trans, teleporting essentially into new places and new and new people. Um, if you like this week's episode, and why wouldn't you? I would suggest that you you subscribe to our podcast. It's very easy to do that on any of your favorite podcast clients. You just hit the subscribe button next to our podcast name. If you need more help, you can go to our website, unnamedautomotivepodcast.com. There's a bunch of subscribe buttons on the top there. Or you can reach out to us to help you guide you through that process. I'm, I'm not sure. We haven't had to guide anyone through the process, but I'm willing to help somebody if they need it. Um, there's a contact form. You fill out that contact form and your message lands in our inbox. Additionally, you can reach out to us on social media. Um, you can find Ben on Instagram. He's at Hunting Benjamin. You can find me on Twitter. I'm at Sammy underscore ha, like you're laughing. And it's not, sorry, I don't think I'm doing this right. It's Sammy underscore ha. That's it. That's the whole thing. Okay. It's not Sammy underscore ha, like you're laughing. That's not the whole you're thing. You're worried people are going to be typing that into Twitter? I do think that. <laughs> I'm starting to think that. Um, additionally, when you're over at our website, you can see all of our previous episodes. You can see photos of the cars that we've been driving and links to the stories that we've written about them. And I think that's all I have to say. Oh, right. If you liked this week's episode, uh, you can head on over to our Ko-Fi page and give us a little tip. It's ko-fi, K-O-F-I dot 
com slash unnamed automotive podcast. And Sammy, what are you going to be driving next week? I don't know. Oh, wait. Yes, I do. No, I don't. I oh, my God. That was a ride. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um, I will be getting into a Volvo C40 EV, but I'm not sure if I'll get into it by the time we uh, we talk about it on the podcast. It's tough to but... hunt them down, right? You have to be really quiet. Getting an electric vehicle is difficult because they're quiet too. So if you mm-hmm. rustle in the grass, they just take off like skittish deer. I'm going to be talking about the Volkswagen Taos. Taos? Is that how you say it? I don't know. Taos? I don't think so. Taos. Like maybe. chaos? Yeah. Taos? In any yeah. case, it's a Volkswagen crossover. I have not driven it before. Very curious, especially given my somewhat negative experience with the Golf R recently. All right. I'm looking forward to it, and I can't wait to talk to you next week. All right. Bye, everybody. Bye.